Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is Richie Schneiderite. <clears throat> Richie, we got a, a quite a bit to talk about. We have the upcoming game versus Penn State on Saturday to discuss. We have a, a big game against Temple and basketball on Friday at Mohegan Sun. A couple of recruiting items we want to hit on before we uh, sign off today. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends on Bet Online. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering info, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, giveaways all season long. Uh, it's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. You can head to BetOnline.ag today to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. And uh, as always, we're also sponsored by Adam Goldman. Uh, if you don't know Adam, he's the franchise coach. Uh, basically, he's a 10-year franchise veteran, New Jersey native. He's, he's been doing this forever. He basically sets you up. Instead of doing your 9 to 5, your typical 9 to 5, Monday through Friday in a cubicle, he'll set you up with your own business and get you started and get it off the ground. Uh, whether that be a food restaurant or the food industry business or a medical supply business or something else, whatever you kind of prefer, he'll help you get started and uh, – it, it's a free consultation, so just hit them up today, uh, 844-800-3726 or FranchiseCoach.net, and you can own your new business uh, as soon as possible. And thanks again to both of our sponsors. Um, but let's get right into this. So Rutgers is playing uh, a very one-sided rivalry game this weekend against Penn State. Uh, Rutgers is a 19.5-point underdog, and I say one-sided because – I know I don't know any Rutgers fan who in any way likes Penn State. I personally don't like them at all. Uh, but Penn State kind of doesn't give a shit about us because uh, we've given them no reason to care because we haven't beaten them since 1988, which is before both of us were born. Um, so Penn State is coming into this one. They have two losses on the season, both of them against the kind of the, the people that you expect them to lose to in, in Michigan and Ohio State. Um, Richie, you're in a unique position of covering both Rutgers and, and, uh, and Penn State. So tell, tell Rutgers fans a little bit about what to expect from Penn State this Saturday. Um, I guess for starters, uh, it's the same quarterback you've seen for, I don't even know, since six years, seven years now. Sean Clifford's still the guy at Penn State. Um, Penn State fans aren't super high on him because there is a four-star waiting in the wings, kind of like uh, I don't want to compare it to the same situation as a Noah Vedrill type and Gavin Wimsat type thing. But uh, Drew Aller's right behind him, and everyone's hyped to see how, what he can do in the future. But for now, Sean Clifford was able to hold on to the job all season long, and he's been he's been pretty consistent and pretty good. Um, 2,100 yards, 17 touchdowns, uh, seven interceptions is the, the rough part. But uh, he's never been able to get over that hump and defeat, like, one of those Michigan or Ohio States. So that's, that's the big uh, knock on him. But he, he's been pretty good at quarterback. And then they arguably, uh, not overhyping this, they probably have the best running back duo in the Big Ten, if not all college football. It's kind of crazy to say because they're both freshmen, but I mean. I was, so I was thinking about this too. They are very good between Nick Singleton and Katron Adams, but I do think that Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson and okay, Blake yes. Corm and Donovan Edwards are better, but they're very, they're just he's just kind of setting that, the scene. They are a very good running backs at Penn State. Yeah. All right, maybe I'm overhyping it a little bit. But uh, Nick, Nick Singleton, as, as you, uh, we mentioned off pod, Mike, you kind of said it to me. Um, he kind of reminds you of a Saquon type back where we'll have like one carry for one yard, one carry for two yards. And then all of a sudden it's like, holy shit, 60-yard touchdown carry. So um, he does have 800 yards on the season already. He averages six and a half. He's got 10 touchdowns. But um, Katron Allen might be the better of the two backs. Um, or more consistent, I should say. Uh, he'll grind it out for like four or five, six yard carries at a, at a punch. Um, he's nicknamed fat man because he's a smaller, but fatter guy. Um, he's, he's like a little, he's like a little bowling ball, like behind the offensive line. He's, he's a very good player. He's got eight touchdowns on his own 
He's got a uh, 630 yards too. So, I mean, this running back duo is extremely dangerous and they're kind of bringing back old school smash mouth, run it down your throat football that you haven't really seen in quite some time. Cause now it's more of like deep balls nonstop, but they, they thrive on the run game. If they can establish that, that's pretty much it. And then um, obviously that always opens up things. And that's where you have, uh, there's only really two receivers I'd watch out for in Penn state. And that, that would be Parker Washington who's a projected top 75 pick in uh, the NFL or top 75 player, I shouldn't say pick, uh, in the 2023 draft. And then uh, Mitchell Tinsley, who's coming off a a 2021 season where he had Bailey Zappi thrown to him at Western Kentucky and then transferred up to Penn State. Uh, He had like 1,600 yards last year with with Bailey Zappi. So, I mean, that that offense is different. But uh, this year he's only got uh, like 450 or something like that. But overall, this offensive – this offense is phenomenal and it's, it's led by their offensive line. And that's kind of where Rutgers is getting a little bit of an advantage because Penn state's probably missing their top left tackle or their, their, their best offensive lineman and left tackle in Alu Fonsu who was a projected top three pick by CBS yesterday. Um, he's only 19 years old, but he's a phenomenal pass blocker. Um, but he's probably going to be out for the game. And then they're, and they're going to replace him with a true freshman, Drew Shelton. And uh, I think that's where Rutgers have to attack. I think that that you have to put Aaron Lewis on the true freshman. Mind you, the true freshman's pretty good. He's like a top 150 kid last year, but um, they're also missing their left guard um, in Landon Tangwell, who's out for the season. But they uh, they replaced him with a graduate transfer from uh, I forget where uh, where Hunter Norzad went. One of the Ivy Leagues, but he transferred up as well. Pretty um, sure that was Harvard, right? It might have been. Yeah, I think it was Harvard. Uh, he's, he's been pretty solid too. So mind you, they are missing their left side of the line, but they're still pretty good backups too. So Cornell, um, sorry, Cornell, that's what it was. Their, their offense is just, it's, it's a really good offense this year. Um, it's going to be hard to stop. And and I think that I'd kind of just pointed out the one weak spot on, on that offense. Yeah. And you said they're off, I think you said off, off camera that their offensive line are going to have two of their top players possibly not playing this week. Um, there's a, their, their left tackle, and I'm, I don't know his last name, but his first name's Olu. He's a guy that's like yeah. rapidly dri- rose up uh, draft boards this this uh, season with how he's performed. Sounds like he's not going to play. And they have a mm-hmm. – is he a guard or their other tackle? In, uh, in- Fashanu – Olu Fashanu, the left tackle's out most likely. Um, he wasn't in practice yesterday, so he's probably out again. Missed the past couple of weeks. Um, and then uh, left guard would be Landon Tangwell, who's uh, also out a former okay. like, top 50 prospect. So that you got to uh, attack that side if you're Rutgers. Aaron Lewis has to be uh, attacking that nonstop. Wesley Bailey could have a decent game. Uh, mind you, like I said, the backups are still pretty good players. Like Norzad was one of the highly, most highly conveyed offensive linemen in the portal. And then Drew Shelton was a top 150 prospect. So. I think that's what you got to attack if you're if you're the Scarlet Knights. Yeah, I want to touch on Western Kentucky really quick because obviously you mentioned Bailey Zappi, who now probably should be starting over Mac Jones this year, but yeah. obviously he's not. Um, they landed another kid from D two uh, this year. His name's Austin Reed, and mm-hmm. he's just having like a crazy year. He's you know passing at sixty eight percent completion percentage, thirty five hundred yards, thirty one touchdowns, seven interceptions. That offense, man, like they just. A, a coach who can in college who can really teach like the sp- the air raid offense just like it mm-hmm. it seems like it's unbeatable. I don't know why more teams aren't running a, a version of the, of the air raid, but um, anyway, that kind of uh, let's talk about Penn State's defense a little bit. We've kind of gone through the the top players to look out for on offense. Tell us a little bit about the top guys on defense to look out for. So so this one's interesting, and I, I've kind of had this kind of spicy take. Their best player is not even a starter. I think Chop Robinson is a phenomenal edge rusher for them. He's got four sacks already on the season. Um, he, he's a transfer from Maryland. He came in, I think, middle of the summer, and people were like, oh, shit, like, he's a pretty highly rated kid, like Maryland kid, coming coming to Penn State again, joining his former teammate, P.J. Mustafer, who starts on the interior. Um but he, he's just been an insane, like, whether it's sacks, whether it's just quarterback hurries and just pressures in general, he's, he's been able to get to the quarterback frequently. Like, it reminds me of, like, a Kamoko Toure type uh, type of guy who just comes in on second and third down mostly and just pass straight up pass rusher. You don't have anything to do. He's just so quick around the edge. But um, other than that, obviously, they have a couple of New York guys. They have a New York guy in Adisa Isaacs who some fans might remember as a recruit back in 2019. 
Um, PJ Mustafer, I just mentioned, um, out of McDonough down in Maryland, he, he was injured last year with an ACL injury, but he's back. He's one of the, the upper echelon D tackles in the conference, I would say. And then, um, they, they just rotate in a lot of dudes on defense on the defensive line, similar to kind of like what Rutgers does. They're probably 10 deep, I would say similar, same thing as the Scarlet Knights, um, linebackers where it gets a little interesting. They've suffered some injuries in recent weeks, but Curtis Jacobs, um, fifth or sixth year senior, COVID year senior, whatever you want to call him. Um, he was back in practice yesterday. He's kind of our leader there. Jonathan Sutherland um, moved from safety to linebacker this offseason. Uh, I guess last season, actually, because it, I think it was the Rutgers game. He actually started shifting down more. But um, he, he's actually a former teammate and a former train trainer, trainee, whatever whatever you want to call it. He trained with um, a couple of the Rutgers Canadian prospects and Renee Conga and uh, Wesley Bailey at that Gridiron Academy up in Canada. So there's there's a couple connections there. And then um, Abdul Carter. Abdul Carter's like been a stud, stud freshman linebacker for them. Um, he, he's in the starting role now. Um, he is a former teammate of Samuel Brown. Um, he's actually a late addition for Penn State, which is kind of interesting considering how good he's been. Like they're, they're saying probably mid or freshman All-American good. So He's the next number 11, as, as they call it, over at State College, which is the Michael Parsons, the, any other linebacker that's pretty notable. And then uh, DBs. Rutgers might have lucked out again because Joey Porter had appendicitis last week, um, according to uh, James Franklin. So they might be able to avoid him being out there. I, it depends on how healthy he is. I know it's a weird case because uh, how, how appendicitis is just weird. I've had it, and it's just like mm -hmm. there's a weird recovery time. I'm like – you obviously want to get him a couple practices, but he, he's another guy who's an NFL prospect, top 75 prospect. Um, Jair Brown's a New Jersey native and probably their best player, one of their best players on defense at safety. He's a little undersized, kind of like uh, similar to Christian Isian type size. I think he's like 5'10", 5 5'11". 5 um, obviously, those numbers are always inflated, so maybe a little smaller, but he's uh, he's been a force back there. And again, they, they have some youngsters back there too that they're just rotating in and out. They got They have depth. The entire defense has depth, and they're ran by one of the better DCs in the nation, and Manny Diaz, who's got a super aggressive style of defense. So, it it, it is going to be a it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, I think you said Jair Brown has had a like a pretty like winding path to end up uh, at Penn State. I think he went to Lackawanna, you said, but he's originally from Trenton Central, which is mm -hmm. also where Holland Pierce played. So they're high school teammates. Yeah, which is um, had to be a hell of a front and central program. <laughs> I know. I, I don't. I don't know. I so I don't know how good each high school program is, but typically, the more you hear a specific high school's name, the better they probably mm -hmm. are. I don't really remember hearing much about Trenton Central anytime recently. So I don't. I, it sounds like there's certain areas that just have a ton of talent. Like, mm -hmm. like the Camden area was like that for a while. They they had a ton of kids. Yeah. They had a ton of talent, but either they didn't keep them. Or, you know, they just – they didn't have the structure in their program to, like, really allow them to thrive. But obviously, a few Camden programs have, you know, elevated themselves. But Yeah, no, it, it's it's kind of crazy. Like, um, I mean, like like you said, Holland Pierce was there. Um, the Rutgers just added a 2022 uh, preferred walk-on from Trenton Central and Sam Gaddy. So maybe he yep. – he's actually seen some time this year, I think, on special teams. So he, he could be the next one from there. So who knows? Yeah, I think Rutgers has played a bunch of kids on special teams they didn't foresee themselves playing. Because um, typically, like, a lot of your backup defensive backs and a lot of your backup linebackers, defensive mm -hmm. line, are playing on special teams. And we don't really have backup linebackers right now. We have our two starters and then guys you hope you don't have to play much. Um, yeah, it might explain those penalties. Yeah. Um, so we kind of outlined offense, defense for Penn State. Um, the, the line's at 19 and a half. How do you see this playing out for Rutgers? Where do you think Rutgers in in the pie in the sky? What Lay out the script for Rutgers to win this game. Um, I think you attack that left side of the line. I think Aaron Lewis causes, um, causes shot. You don't want it to be true hours breaking out party. But I think you got to pressure – uh, Clifford. And if you pressure him enough, he's going to panic and he's going to throw something stupid. And you just got to be able to capitalize and hope the ball falls your way. Um, I, th these running backs are, for the most part, don't fumble too often whatsoever. There was one case in, where Nick Singleton fumbled twice earlier in the year. I think it was uh, 
ah, it wasn't Purdue. I forget who it was against, but um, it was one of the Big Ten West teams. But other than that, um, they they really don't fumble. So I mean, you, you're going to have to stuff the stuff the box quite a bit, um, and just kind of bank on your quarterbacks being able to to lock these guys down one on one. I think yeah, it was against Christian Northwestern. Brass, Northwestern, that's what it was. It was a giant rainy game, so maybe <laughs> pray for snow. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you got to trust your cornerbacks in this one. Um, if they're going to burn you, they're going to burn you. I mean, Max Melton's had his struggles this year, but end of the day, it's still Max Melton. He's still a very good prospect. Um, um, you got to hope he can cover one. Christian Braswell's been phenomenal, so I think he could be able to cover somebody. Like Parker Washington's not huge, so he should be able to cover him. Mm-hmm. For the most part, um, I'm trying to think who else. Shaquan Loyal or um, Robert Longer being one of them has to step up. You, you got to pressure Clifford, though, and I think that starts with pressuring that left side of Penn State's line, uh, whether that be Wesley Bailey, who's who's had some ups and downs, and I, I'd argue, argue more ups. He's been pretty good. He's developing nicely. Um, Aaron Lewis obviously has to do something and kind of just pressure that, I guess, uh, either side or whatever side he's on. Um yeah, it's, it, it's going to be tough. And then they have really good tight ends. I didn't even mention the tight ends. Like, Brenton Strange has been really good this year. Theo Johnson's pretty solid. Tyler Warren's a good blocker, and I think he has a touchdown or two as well. So that the linebacker core, it's, it, they, they have all facets of this offense, and um, you kind of saw it on display last week. You saw it on display even versus Ohio State, who's a pretty good team. They, they were hanging in there and even winning at halftime. So um, they, it, this is going to be a tough one for Rutgers, and in order to win, you're going to have to – probably create the most pressure on Sean Clifford that he's seen all year, which which isn't crazy out of this Rutgers defense that's ranked pretty high. Yeah, Sean Clifford has shown kind of time and time again that he will give you opportunities to to, to have some gimmies. Um, he's going to throw the ball. He's going to have errant passes. He's not a bad quarterback, but he does kind of just make some really dumb mistakes sometimes, whether it be like taking dumb sacks or throwing dumb interceptions. Like if you look at the Ohio State game, that was his worst game of the season, but he still played pretty well. He was 32 for 47 for 371 yards, three touchdowns, mm-hmm. but also three picks, also yeah. three sacks. So we really do need to put some pressure on him. I mean, no, I mean, if you look at what Minnesota versus Penn State was like, like Minnesota was healthy against Penn State. Minnesota obviously had a great defense, as we saw against Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Minnesota lost 47-17. So it's, yeah. and that was a black, that was a whiteout game with Aiden O'Connell. So, Mm-hmm. Or Aiden, sorry, whatever his name is, Aiden, Alex uh, Carthamos, Carthamis. Yeah, the the the, right? the freshman quarterback. Yeah. yeah, sorry, it's not Aiden. I'm thinking of the, the of Purdue quarterback. It's like Alex or something. Um, Alex, I forget. Yeah, it's yeah, Ethan no. uh, Calicomanus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we got to put pressure on him, and it's easier said than done. Um, <laughs> if 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 what you're saying ends up being true or they're missing they're basically the whole left side of their line, that obviously sets up a really advantageous situation for Rutgers. Uh, Joey Porter, I've seen in like first round mocks this year uh, yeah. for the NFL draft. So not having him would be huge. Um, but Rutgers ultimately, they need to play mistake-free football. They need to execute and they need to take advantage of opportunities when they present themselves. And that sounds like a basic script because it kind of is like, if you do those three things, in every football game, you're going to win more games than you lose. But Rutgers has not shown the ability to do those three things consistently. So that's why we've lost more games than we've won this year. Um, yeah. So it's going to come out tomorrow, your prediction. But let's tease it for the the uh, the podcast listeners a bit. What do you see the What do you see the score of this game being? Um, I know Franklin obviously likes likes to um, likes to put up big points on Rutgers because obviously he can impress the New Jersey guys and recruits and stuff like that. Um, they haven't been doing a lot in Jersey in recent years. Obviously, they only have, I think, one guy in this class, and a Johnny Shakir. Um, but regardless, I, I think Penn State probably similar score to last week. Like, they could have scored a lot more on Maryland. They had opportunities. And then they were kind of just, like, slowing it down quite a bit just to hold on to the ball and win that game 30 nothing. I, I think it's probably – I think Rutgers Yeah, they scored score. three points in the second half last week against Maryland. Yeah, and won 30 nothing. Like, it's – I, I want to say it's going to be something very similar to that. I know the over-under is like 44, 45 or something something similar. I think Rutgers probably scores 10 points in this game. I think they'll score more to Maryland, which is crazy to say because I think Maryland's offense is better. But I think Rutgers will scheme up some things. Um, I think Nunn's has the offense kind of flowing a little bit better, obviously, too, as you saw last week. So I'm, I'm probably going to give like Rutgers 
10 points and probably like Penn State 35 or something like that. I don't I hate to go like right on the number, but maybe maybe a little more than that because I think Penn – I'll probably say 38-10 just to go, go to over because, you know, over's club. Yeah, I do think this is just a really tough game for Rutgers to win. This is the last stand, though, of the season. If they lose this game, there's no longer a hope for a bowl because the last year the math kind of worked for, for teams that had five wins, especially – we got lucky with the COVID stuff. Um, the math does not look favorable this year for five-win teams. So Rutgers really has this game to keep their bowl hopes alive. Um, they're also playing senior day at home, uh, you know, with, with Gavin, who's made some real strides last week. I was very impressed with him. But this game is tough. I think covering the spread is going to be a challenge. Uh, I don't see Rutgers winning this game, but I do think they – ultimately do cover the spread i i think they end up losing something like 34 to 17 um and we see we we the 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 good things to take out of this game were are going to be that gavin still looks better while he did make some mistakes i think he does turn the ball over because his defense is really good i think he makes more good decisions than bad decisions and that's something you could build on Mm -hmm. heading into the maryland game and heading into the offseason um yeah so so we've kind of hit on some transfer portal stuff. There hasn't been a ton that has kind of happened this week. I think the portal stuff is going to truly get wild after the last game. We've seen kids enter the portal, like either unofficially or announce their intentions to enter the portal. I don't think there's a whole lot of new stuff from the last time though, that we talked about. Um, is there anything recruiting wise that you wanted to hit on before we moved on to some basketball stuff? Um, no, I mean, there, there's a couple uncommitted guys out there that Rutgers still has offers to. Um, Jack Rooster is obviously um, priority number one. Well, he's, he's, the quarter. he's committed to uh, Harvard, though. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I shouldn't say uncommitted. He, he is committed to Harvard, but he I don't know if that's going to last too long. Um, Rutgers obviously offered, and, and they're, they're trying to get an answer out of him relatively quickly. We'll see. Uh, they would like to lock it down. If not, maybe they start looking elsewhere. I know um, – We've talked about it off off the air, and I guess I could probably mention it on here now at this point since they, they didn't offer him yet. But Trey Drake, uh, North Dakota State commit out of Western uh, New York, um, it's a guy they were showing interest in. And and if Cruiser doesn't commit, then maybe uh, you start looking towards him, or maybe you start looking elsewhere. Maybe the Chad Mascos of the world, who was at Campbell, and you per- pursue him as a transfer since his brother's coming to Rutgers anyway, and he's he's done yep. pretty well at Campbell, so. Um, there's not a ton of options out there. Obviously they, they jumped in the game super late with quarterback recruiting. I'm, there's no, I'm going to knock them on that hundred percent because oh, you yeah. need a quarterback every class, number one, but number two, I, you, you can't offer quarterbacks in fucking November. <laughs> I, I just, I truly do not understand the philosophy of this. Like, did they want to see how the quarterbacks look before, like throughout the season before they decided on adding a guy? Is that do you think that's what it was? That's the only thing I can think of that would make even like a modicum of sense. It makes no sense, and I, I think that's more of a product of Gleason, and I think it's about him trying to re, reinvent the wheel. Like you can't, like you just got to add a quarterback. Maybe you're not going to get your top guys. You're not going to land a, a top dude after landing Gavin Wimsatt, who's probably your projected starter for the next this year and then three more years. Um, so it's going to be hard to land a top guy, whether that be portal, whether that be high school. So that's why you offer the Sean Boyles and Tucker McDonald's. And then all of a sudden you, you, uh, negate against Tucker McDonald. And he's like, all right, screw you. I'm going to go to UConn instead. And like, yeah, then Sean, Sean, uh, Sean Boyles, like, uh, you know what? They, we don't need them really that much, whatever. Then all of a sudden West Virginia picks him up and it's like, oh shit, maybe, maybe you should have pursued him a little bit more. And now you're off. He might be back on the market, though, right? Because Neil Brown's looking like he's going to be out of there. Actually, they just had a big win against Oklahoma. So that kind of complicates things. Yeah, that's such a weird program now with that new coach that's been Venables, that's been dog shit. Like, yeah. It's just, it's tough. Like, a lot of people think, like, even like the haters on Shiano, they're like, yeah, let's get rid of him. Let's get Matt Rule. Like, it might not work. Like, you don't know. Like, and this guy's done it at Rutgers before. So, not preaching the Shiano train here, but like um, going back to quarterback recruiting, I, I got to switch back to that real quick. That it was just <laughs> abys- abysmal what they've done. Like I, I don't get it. And I, I kind of blame Gleason for that hundred percent. And I would love to talk to him one day on here and just be like, what the fuck was happening? Like, yeah. <clears throat> just let us like, tell us what your thought process was. And if, <laughs> if we get an honest answer out of him, I wonder if he was just scared that Gavin would leave if they brought a kid, which 
I don't you know. You can't I, be scared. Like you can't, you can't be scared of that. And to bring one quarterback in in, in three classes is just irresponsible. Like yeah, that's like you're that's you're bad. two bad plays away from having to put in like that walk on Austin Albert Rick. Oh, Gavin Rupp. Austin yeah, Albert Rick is my the better walk on. Well, Without a doubt. he's also like five nine, so um, not ideal. Uh, yeah, but this this Trey Drake kid, I, I saw a bunch of coaches on Rutgers starting to follow him, so I was kind of bouncing off here. I was like, do you know anything about this kid? Looks like he's a high school kid uh, from Western New York. He's had a really good season. Um, he's thrown for almost 2,000 yards in 11 games, uh, 24 touchdowns, one interception. He's shown ability to run this year that he hadn't in the past. He's got 61 carries for 240 yards and six touchdowns, so – I mean, he's a little. Um, I I don't know if he's raw, but he's he's a multi. He plays safety and punter for them as well. Um, he's led them to like the state title game last year. I, I think he's pretty good. We'll see. I don't know. At this point, I like, mean, even if even if there's a better opportunity, it's it's tough to get a kid who's been committed to a school for like a year to to suddenly back that off. Um, but it happens all the time, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, any any time a kid's going to North Dakota State, I mean, you you look at the the production and it's like, all right, shit, they got a couple NFL quarterbacks. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think I trust uh, their QB evaluations over most. Yeah, I think they're the only school that's had two top five quarterbacks in the last uh, like five years or not five years. I guess it would be like the last eight years to go in the NFL draft between Trey Lance and uh, and Carson Wentz. So they clearly know what they're doing there. Um, so I guess not a ton going on with recruiting, but stay tuned to the boards uh, for more on that. Let's pivot to basketball. Let's talk basketball recruiting. Obviously, uh, yesterday marked the end of the early signing period for basketball. Rutgers seemed to be really in on three guys, and unfortunately, they went 0 for 3. Um, tell us a little bit about what happened with those targets and kind of what to maybe look for in basketball recruiting moving forward for the rest of this class. Um, I guess the first one, Papa Conte, was – not obvious, but like we always kind of had a feeling Michigan was in the lead here, despite um, the Griffs being his uh, guardians over here in the States. Um, but yeah, no, Juwan Howard did a really good job recruiting him. Um, went on official visit this summer, fall, I forget when it was. I think it was summer. And um, he, he just sold him really well. Um, sold him on the potential of being the guy after Hunter's gone, Hunter Dickinson. And then, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's nothing really more to that one. Rutgers probably finished second in that one. Um, there were some other schools as well, but, uh, the fact that the Griffs were his, was guardian made Rutgers think, or made Rutgers fans think that they, they had a real good shot. And it, at one point it sounded like Michigan was backing off a little bit. Like I've, we talked to multiple college assistants at AAU events this, uh, this summer. And they all said, they're like, yeah, we're here. And like, Michigan's not going to take them. We're here in Rutgers is like pursuing pretty heavily, but obviously it backfired. Michigan pushed, landed on end of story. Uh, Ruben Chinelu, Chinelu, that sounds about right. Um, NBA Global Academy kid out of uh, Senegal. I think he's actually Nigerian, but he plays at the NBA Academy in Senegal or vice versa, one of those two. I think I got that right the first time. But uh, yeah, anyway, Rutgers was pursuing. Rutgers hosted him on an official visit. Um, Longtime Tennessee lean all summer long. uh, Took an official visit to Tennessee. They thought they locked him up. That was it. He was going to commit. He said, no, I want to take a couple more visits. Um, Tennessee's like, whoa, hey, oh, no, you're not doing that. Like, what the hell do you think you're doing? Um, He obviously uh, took those visits, went to, uh, I think, Pitt, uh, DePaul. uh, There was some weird one, too. I think Santa Barbara. Maybe not DePaul. I think it was Santa Barbara. And um, then obviously went to uh, Wazoo, Washington State, and then Rutgers. And Rutgers being the last one, usually you get a pretty good feeling when you're in that last official visit. It sounded pretty promising. Um, I know after talking to sources earlier this week, they were told, uh, Rutgers sources were told that it wasn't, uh, it, that they were still in it. So it was like sounding like, oh, pretty promising. Like, holy shit, they're going to land this uh, four-star out of the NBA Academy. That's pretty big. Um, obviously, Washington State has a bigger connection to the NBA Academy as they have a couple guys over there. And I think they've even produced a couple of uh, Africa natives that have made it to the NBA now too. So that was a big connection there, and he ended up choosing Wazoo. Um, third and final one, Laji Dembele, who was a no-name, I want to say, like a month ago, is now a four-star recruit. Um, 
that sounded like Rutgers. Uh, Iowa lean from the get took a visit to Rutgers. Weird, like a weird Sunday unofficial visit. Um, sources I talked to said they didn't really like they weren't confident in landing him. And then all of a sudden, um, within the past couple of days before his decision was coming, it sounded like he postponed it because he was trying to reach out to a couple of schools still. It sounded like Rutgers was making a last-minute push. However, obviously, um, he chose Iowa yesterday, signed with the Hawkeyes. Um, so, yeah, that, that's one, two, and three. And then um, now what's next? They're going to have to get a big man in this class. That's obvious. Where do you go? Do you go to the portal? Probably not yet. I think you hold off on that. There's still one big name out there that Rutgers was pursuing before all this like was happening, or I guess in the middle of all this, and that's Juicelyn uh, Bodo out of uh, Southern California yep. Academy, which is like one of the biggest schools in the country in terms of uh, basketball. I think they're top 25 in the, the latest ESPN rankings for high school. Uh, so there's an interesting connection there. Their grad coach at uh, SoCal Academy actually coached TJ Thompson back in high school. So that's where the connection kind of comes. TJ went out there to watch the kid uh, perform. He was behind a bunch of dudes. I know he was behind, uh, I'm looking right now, he was behind a USC commit last year, an LSU commit, a Michigan State commit, and what's this game? Uh, some, and Providence commit. So he was playing behind all these guys, and then all of a sudden uh, their top two big men behind those four dudes just emerged out of nowhere, and now all of a sudden they're top-tier recruits. Um he, he's hearing from Arizona State, Rutgers, Temple, Santa Barbara again, which I, I don't know what they're selling over there, but they must have a hell of an NIL deal. Um, yeah, so, so, so he's still new to the process. He's trying to figure out everything, but he's he's another uh, another kid from overseas. He's a Cameroon native, so he's kind of being patient with stuff and trying to learn more about these schools and what each offers. Very big on education, so uh, that that's going to play a big thing here. Uh, but another late bloomer, and I, th I think um, – it's pretty obvious they're going to go high school route first because I, I think it's kind of – I'll say it's actually pretty pretty well known that, like, I guess Pike and crew aren't huge fans of the portal, but they'll use it if need be. Like, look at Cam Spencer. Look at Andre Hyatt. Look at um, CJ Geddes even. Um, they'll use it if need be, but they're first, first and foremost, they're going to go high school and try to develop these guys and then keep them for three to four to five years or whatever. Yeah, and Pike's shown the ability to, to, to find guys he likes uh, and develop them into players that are useful or, you know, well above their recruiting rankings. Like, to get the production that he's gotten out of Antoine Wolfolk this year, especially, is nothing short of, like, it's so impressive. Because this kid was not even, like, a full-time basketball player until, what, this summer? Like, mm -hmm. he was playing football. He was so such a good football player. He was going to commit to Cincinnati to play football, to play defensive line for them. So this is a kid who's an incredible athlete. Pikes liked what he saw out of him. He was under-recruited, and he's started his development process, and he's now the backup four and five for, for Rutgers. So I think you just need to trust Pike. Even if the kid doesn't have a ton of offers, even if he doesn't have the highest recruiting rankings, Pike is going to develop him in in like nine times out of ten. There, there are kids that like you know don't work out, but there's way more kids that do work out. And even if he's not a starter, you know, Having depth, having a guy who's not going to come in and be a total liability is is just as important as having a frontline starter. So mm -hmm. just trust Pike. I, I'm tired of seeing people just, you know, question every single decision he makes in terms of recruiting. Like, I think he should just get the benefit of the doubt for everything he does here moving forward. It's 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 just nuts. Yeah, I know um, you mentioned it, though. Wolfolk went from a potential Cincinnati football commit to top 32 power forward in our rankings. Like he, he was really yeah. good in the AAU circuit. Like he played phenomenal. And then honestly, that's another TJ Thompson fine. TJ Thompson, people criticize. And I, I'll even admit I was one of them. I'll eat a little bit of crow there. It was like a random AAU coach. And we're like, what the hell? Like, why are they hiring this guy? Like, I know he was like on their, uh, their staff in some capacity beforehand, but like they just promoted him instead of hiring like a big recruiting shark, but he's been really good. TJ played with uh wolf folks, head coach, uh, Chet Mason, who was, I think, played in the NBA at one point, too. Um, and they played together in the Continental Basketball League or association. They played together um, with Jamario Moon, who some NBA fans might remember. They played they played together for a couple of years. And then uh, I think they played together in France as well at one point. But uh, this, this is uh, – he's been a really good find for an addition and for an assistant coach. And Pike signed the number fucking 30 recruit in the country. Highest ever. And people are like, well, yeah, but he sucks. Like – 
What, what do you mean he signed a number yeah. 30 recruit? And before that, he broke the record before that, too, signing Cliff. Like, he yep. keeps – there's no ceiling here for Pike. It just, it just keeps and, going. And you guys just put out an article earlier this morning about some of the top 24 kids that Rutgers is after. There's two top you 10 want me to kids name on the rankings? List. Like, yeah. Yeah, we've like got – 5, 10, know, 58, 80. Like, are you kidding me? Like, this guy is in it. Like, there's no better option for Rutgers than Pike. No. I mean – I've, I've he's done so much for that basketball program and it's kind of like, you know, Pat, Pat Hobbs has done a great job hiring the last few years and, and giving coaches what they need. But I really do think that Rutgers needed some kind of flagship program to kind of like move the, the ball forward. And that's clearly what, mm-hmm. what Pike has done. He's there's so much excitement at the rack. I mean, I went, we both went to Rutgers. So we both know what the rack was like when we were students a couple games a year that that rack magic would like sprinkle down from the Raptors, but the majority yeah. of the time it was just empty. Right next man. to the asbestos. And now, yeah, right next to the asbestos, right next to the area that didn't have AC when Kidding. we were there. It's not a, th- not a um, thing, I swear. Yeah, but now every single game sold out. I think we've sold out almost all this like uh, the tickets from Rutgers Athletics this year for every basketball game, which financially is huge for the for the university, but also. It is such a good recruiting tool when you could take a kid, say a kid can only make one game with his schedule in the basketball season. And that happens to be a Friday night game against just throwing out some shitty opponent. Let's just say a top 300 Ken Palm team to have that be Mm -hmm. a sellout and to have that atmosphere be just as almost as good as it would be for like a, you know, a big rivalry game. That's just, that's so huge for recruiting. And that's kind of what Pike has created. He's created this atmosphere where every game feels like an event rather than just, you know, oh, this is this team, this is this team, but Seton Hall game, wait, wait till that one, that'll be huge. But now every single game is an event, which is Yeah, awesome. uh, I'm looking right now real quick, 150 left for Central Connecticut, um, 200 left for Bucknell. That's two days before Christmas, so that one's a little tough. Um, 75 left for Maryland, and then everything else is sold out. Uh, no, 200 for Penn State, 200 for Minnesota. Sold out, 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 sold out. Four hundred for Nebraska, like and everything's like pretty. I'm, I'm in March, and there's like there's one game left. Like it's, that's it. It is impressive what they've done, and uh, I have a spicy take real quick. So every team that has gotten a practice facility has always been very successful within the next couple of years afterwards. So conspiracy theory: Rutgers football built this great piano football palace. That's that's the key. Baseball, soccer, lacrosse, other lacrosse, other soccer, um, basketball, obviously, wrestling. And this might be the year. Um, gymnastics has been phenomenal. Women's basketball. And let's give them time to see what happens. But I, I'm just saying, every time there's a practice facility built within the next like five, eight years, these, these teams are winning championships. So football needs to get on the ball. Yeah, even some of the the worst programs Rutgers had, like women's volleyball, has shown massive improvements the last few years. I, don't, I think the <laughs> I think the first like I'm I'm not joking. I don't know this stat exactly, but I believe like the first three years we were in the Big Ten, volleyball didn't have a single conference win, and now they're 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 still towards the bottom of, of the conference rankings. But when you look at who else is in Big Ten volleyball. It is literally like almost all the best programs in the country. Similar to wrestling. Yeah. Think of it like wrestling mm-hmm. where, you know, how Big Ten wrestling is like, you know, we might be sixth in the Big Ten, but we're ranked 13th nationally. And that's kind of how volleyball is in the Big Ten. It's very, very, very competitive. Yeah. Um, but we've kind of veered off course a little bit. Let's talk about this game on Friday. I know we previewed it last time. Uh, so Rutgers is playing Temple at Mohegan Sun on Friday at five o'clock. Um Temple has been just very inconsistent this year. So they lost an overtime game against Wagner opening day. Then they went and beat Villanova, who's one of their biggest rivals. And when we were talking to Kyle Goss uh, for the Temple preview, he was comparing Villanova to similar to how we kind of view Penn State, where, you know, Temple has them as like, as the number one rival in all of their athletic programs, but Villanova really doesn't care because Villanova has like, you know, won titles and things like that. So for them to beat Villanova is like such a huge, huge thing for their fan base. And then they follow it up with another home game uh, against Van- Vanderbilt last night, which they lost. Um, maybe it was two nights ago, but they lost to Vanderbilt. So they're one and two on the year. They have one really, really, really good player in Damian Dunn. 
Uh, he's, a- he's leading the nation in scoring. So he's averaging 29.7 games, 29.7 points a game. He's really good uh, from beyond the arc. I think he's shooting almost 60% on high volume this year from three-point range. He's averaging uh, almost six threes a game, and he's hitting almost 60% of them, 58.8%. Uh, he scored 38 against Vanderbilt, 29 against Wagner, 22 against Villanova. Uh, what should obviously other than him? What should we be looking out for uh, in this Temple game? Um, I mean, he's he's always obviously the big name, but I, I think you got to shut him down. Um, number one, I don't know what you do in terms of defensive wise. Obviously, if Caleb's back, you would love to put Caleb on him and just oh go, my god, he would town. shut him down too. Oh, it would it would be very impressive, and that would be your your first uh, I guess little stat for defensive player of the year again. Um, yeah little niche or a little notch in your belt, whatever you want to call it. Um, but no, they, they are a very good team. They score at will. Um, they don't, I shouldn't say they score at will. They're, they're better than half of college basketball. So they average 76, but they give up 76 and a third. They've also so had two games go to overtime too. So it kind of skews true. it a bit. Yeah, that is true too. Um, so, I mean, they don't really have a great rebounder. Jameel Reynolds is a former UCF guy. Uh, he's been struggling rebounding, I'm looking at now. Um, he had one rebounding game against Villanova, which was 12 rebounds, and then the rest, it was like two and five. So, I think Cliff should be able to abuse him a little bit in the paint. Um, defensively, I, I'm trying to think. If Caleb's not guarding Dunn, I think I think he might have to start Miller. And let him either Miller or Mag has to be on him. We have to have our best defensive yeah. player on him who's on the court at all times. Yeah, that's being a little bit interesting. I guess Mag could definitely guard him too. Um, yeah, that, that would actually, I didn't even think about that. That would be actually an option too. Um, but yeah, definitely wouldn't put Spencer or Paul on him if Paul's healthy, which I, I kind of expect Paul to be healthy. Caleb's the one I'm a little questionable on. They're both questionable, or they're both limited this week in practice. So basically, means they're on the side doing like stuff with the trainer to get prepared eventually. Um, but yeah, no, I think you, you, they're a poor rebounding team. I think you attack that pretty heavily. Um, you have Cliff who obviously can be a pretty good rebounder. You have guards that are pretty good rebounders and Mulcahy and Hyatt, even Mag's turning into a pretty good rebounder as well. So I think you attack that. And then, um, you're just going to have to try to shut down Dunn. Dunn's like, what, 25 to 30% of their offense, 33%, if you want to say that. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then uh, you have a pretty damn good shooter in your own in Cam Spencer. So that that's not – their defense isn't great either. So Cam might be able to score quite a bit too. Derek, Simps- Derek Simpson's been pretty good to, pretty good as well. Um, I don't think they're ready for that. And then, um, I th- like I said, I think Cliff's going to go for a big game. I think Cliff gets like one of those 20, like 12, 20, 15 type games. I think he abused that paint as much as possible. Um, they are a bit undersized because after Reynolds, they don't really have a good center. Um, Zach Hicks is their four, and um, some of you might remember him. Uh, he was a Rutgers target at one point. Actually, really wanted a Rutgers offer at a Camden Catholic. But uh, he, he's, like, rail thin. He's, like, a 6'7", like, 175, 180 range. So uh, whether it be Mag, whether it be Reber, but whether it be Wolfolk, you should be able to, like, body those guys down low. Um, so I'm pretty confident that that's, what's going to happen. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting game. I don't know. Maybe Cam Spencer guards him. I forgot Cam was a pretty good defender too. Uh, I'm just, I'm just saying, saying the the better defenders, I guess, in Miller and Mag, but Spencer is a good defender as well. And I'd rather focus on offense. Yeah. I think Spencer, he's about probably the same level of, uh, like one-on-one defender that a Mm -hmm. Jalen Miller, Caleb McConnell, or a, uh, Mawat Magar, but he's like so smart out on the on the court. He is, you know, he's mm-hmm. always got his eye on where the ball is. Like he just he's able to like almost sneak up on guys, I guess. Like when he's when they're trying to like make a bounce pass or like a quick pass in the lane. Like he's just yeah. always very quick to get his <laughs> arm up. So I, I would say he's not like as good of a defender. He's probably like our third or fourth best defender, which is still very, very good. But mm-hmm. uh, I think his steal number is a little inflated. Right now, um, I don't see him averaging four yeah, steals a game. Of course. Goals. But <laughs> I, I mean, he, I think he averaged like 2.4 or 2.5 last year with, uh, I'm trying to find it right now, 2.3 with Loyola, Maryland. So it's not like he's a bad defender, but like no, I said, you got to, yeah, yeah. yeah, you got to shut down Dunn. That's, that's the first and foremost key. And then attack the rebounds. I think you should be able to get a ton of offensive boards. Even if you're missing shots, just keep putting them up. If you're Spencer, if you're, even Paul's been pretty good from three at times. Um, 
Derek Simpson's obviously got a pretty good shot. Like, I, I think you just keep putting up shots and you, you should be able to trust your big men down low um, to outboard them pretty easily. Yeah, and uh, in terms of Ken Palm, Rutgers is currently 40th in Ken Palm rankings. Temple is 102nd. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Temple hasn't played anyone nearly as good as Rutgers is defensively. In terms of uh, defensive numbers, Ken Palm, Rutgers is ranked 12th. I think the highest that uh, any opponent has been defensively that they've played has been Villanova, who's 54th. So mm-hmm. I think they're kind of playing a team that they haven't really seen the same quality from this year in terms of defense. Um, the size, I think, is also going to be a huge issue. Like like you said, they only really have one big man, and that's uh, Jamil Reynolds. So if we get him in foul trouble, their backup big is a – you know. A transfer from Northern Colorado. His name's Kerr Jungkutch or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's not very good. Their team's also very young. If you look at their roster, every player on their roster outside of that guy, Kerr Jungkutch, I just uh, mentioned, has either a freshman or sophomore eligibility. So this is a team that doesn't really have a ton of veteran leadership. Um, so I do think that's something we could take advantage of because Rutgers is very veteran led at this point with a few uh, really good newcomers sprinkled in. Um, So yeah, I think this is a game Rutgers should play well, as long as they don't, you know, allow this like three point barrage from Temple. Um, So stopping Damian Dunn will be huge, but Mm -hmm. it's easier said than done because nobody's really been able to do it this year, even ranked uh, Villanova. He still scored 22 on them. Well, well, that's the thing too. Like if I'm, I'm looking at their numbers, like, they're shooting 33% from three for the field, but that's all Damien Dunn. Like Damien Dunn yeah. shoots 58%. Then there's only one, two, there's only three other players that have shooting percentages from beyond the arc. And that's Khalif Battle at 28, Zach Hicks at 30, and then Hasir Miller at 33. No one else has made a three-pointer on the team. Yep. So yep. it's like you shut down Dunn, you win the game. That's it. Now I know yep. Ken Palm, I'm looking at it now, has them predicted to win 70-64. I think Rutgers is going to win by more than that. A lot more than that. <clears throat> yeah, let me see if the line's out for that game. And I'm in Pennsylvania, so I could actually check it on my app. But, uh, yeah, like, Temple doesn't really scare me that much. As much as <clears> – I, I don't know if it's because, like, I think they've been so impressive the first three games where mm-hmm. last year, like, there was clear struggles early in the season. I think they just kind of slept walk through a lot of it. Pike has these guys ready to play. Like these guys are not taking any game for granted this year, which you shouldn't ever. But I think a lot of lessons were learned, especially by the veterans last year and Cliff and, and Paul. And I guess let's talk about Paul. Do you, do you think Paul plays on, on Friday? I think he does. I know it looked like um, going back. I know I said this in the last pod, it looked like his shoulder popped out and it looked like he came back to the bench too. Like it looked like he had his uniform on, like he, I don't want to say he could have went back in, but God forbid in a total emergency situation, he probably could have went back in, in my opinion. I know it's crazy to say because like a shoulder pop, I, I've never experienced it personally, but like we've seen people pop their shoulders back in in football and go right back in, not right back in, but eventually go back in the game. And it's like, oh shit, that probably hurts like a son of a bitch, but like you're just going to power through it. So maybe, um, maybe I, I think he'll be good to go. I think they're just more being cautious with the limited stuff this week. Um, I think, I think he'll be fine. And then I, this team, like, is really good. Like, even if he can't play, there's a lot of depth this year that I think a guy like Simpson could step up and fill that starter void if need be, and could make the offense even go a little bit faster because it's no secret. He's faster than Paul. Like it it would be interesting to see what happens if, uh, Paul can't go, but I do think Paul will go. I think he'll be fine. And then, um, Caleb's the one, the big question mark who, who knows when he's coming back. Originally, I think before the season, I said this game versus Temple. Now I'm starting to hear it might be a little bit longer, or I should, I should say last week when I was asked to someone, they said a little bit longer, but we'll see what happens. It sounds like he, uh, he is limited in practice again, so we'll, we'll just wait and see. Um, it could be this game. It could be the next game. So, Yeah, uh, hopefully we see him before – you know, the Big Ten play, um, because it would be nice to have him play in a few of those warm-up games, quote-unquote, because we do have a few more easy opponents. We'd like to see him get his, you know, his feet underneath him and um, kind of test that knee out before he has to, you know, play at the Caleb level we all expect, um, especially because yeah. we have that brutal stretch 
you know, play in Indiana early. We play Miami soon. So hopefully we get to see him back in uh, the near future here. Um, so we covered a lot. Was there anything else you wanted to hit on before we sign off? Um, I believe it's been soccer today. Or is it tomorrow? Yes, today. It today. I believe it yeah. is. Yeah. It's today and it is on ESPN Plus, I believe. So, yeah, which is a bummer. Which is stupid. I don't agree with, but it is what it is. 7 p.m. tonight at UPenn. Um, I'm assume I, I'm just kind of making an assumption here. It sounds knock on wood. It looks like they should be able to beat this UPenn team, but Ivy leagues are tough because sometimes they have weird records because they're playing Ivy leagues also. So it's 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 a tough one to say. But this team looks like they're ready to go. If you watched the video we posted the other day of the announcement. Um, they didn't like, well, normally when you make an NCAA tournament, everyone goes apeshit. They were just kind of like, yeah, we got, we got a shitty seed. Like watch this. And then I think they're going to come out yeah. and, ask, and kick their, kick their ass to be honest. Like, I think they're going to be really, maybe a two to one, three to one win. Um, I, I like their chances in this one a lot. So UPenn is ranked pretty high in the RPI. They're 13th in RPI. I don't think RPI is like the best metric to, to gauge how good a team is because, I mean, you saw with Rutgers baseball last year, they were way better than Jesus. what they were ranked in the RPI, which I believe was like, you know, late, high, like low 50s or something. That's why they ended up missing mm -hmm. the tournament despite playing in the final um, of the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. So I do think Penn, like Rutgers has just been playing like it's not, sports. Sometimes are just about momentum and the when you peak and Rutgers is peaking at the right time. Like if you if you watch the the Rutgers Indiana game, Rutgers played like far outplayed Indiana and, and Indiana is ranked twentieth in the RPI. So I do think Rutgers can make some noise in this tournament. Um, I do think they could beat Penn, um, but they need to keep up that momentum. So it'll be a fun game to watch. It sucks it's on ESPN Plus another. You know, service you have to, to pay money for. Like a lot of us pay for Big Ten Plus, but I guess the NCAA has the the um, the rights for these games because it is the tournament now outside of conference play. So yeah, it's annoying. But I mean, I pay for it, so it's like whatever. Got to get that Disney yep. Plus package, you know? You get like Disney Plus, yeah, and ESPN. Hulu. It's like all right, yep. like maybe not that. Bad. It's a good deal. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Well, we really appreciate you tuning in once again. Stay tuned to the boards because the transfer portal will be heating up in the near future. And that's always one of the craziest times of the year to follow college sports. Uh, for me and Richie, this has been another edition of the Night Report Podcast. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.